0: Hey everybody, welcome to the 117th episode of the J.D.O. Show. I'm your host, J. David Osborne. Today on the show we have Ben DeVos. He's got a new book out. It's called The Bar is Low from Dostoyevsky Wannabe. It's a really good one. I have read it. We talk about a lot of cool shit on this episode. I like Ben a lot. I feel like he's somebody who's worth paying attention to, especially his new press, which is called Apocalypse Party. He's putting out William Perk's new book, Killing Poppy, which is also a good book that I've read. That's a lot of names to remember all at the same time, but I feel like you are capable of it because I believe in you. So without further ado, please enjoy this 117th episode of the JDO Show, where I talk to Benjamin DeVos. Mr. Ben, how do you say your last name, DeVos?
1: DeVos, yeah.
0: DeVos, Mr. Ben DeVos, thank you for coming on the JDO Show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all. So, um for people, have you been on podcasts before?
1: I went on Get Lit with Lisa a little That's a while one. back. That's yeah.
0: Okay, cool, cool. So yeah. you've you're not you're not a complete virgin to the podcast game. Uh, <laughs> for uh, people who might just now be hearing about you though, could you kind of just give like a brief like who is be- who is this Ben? It, of whom you speak?
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm obviously a writer. I run a small press called Apocalypse Party. Um, been doing the writing thing since probably late high school, just sort of the typical stuff, you know, writing bad poetry, short stories, and stuff like that, and then started taking it a little bit more seriously in college. Wrote a few books there, and I'm still churning stuff out. So I just had a book come out. It's called The Bar is Low. That's through Dostoevsky Wannabe. Um, that's my latest thing, and yeah.
0: What is Dostoevsky Wannabe's deal? Are they from, they're from England, right?
1: Yeah, they're from the UK.
0: And what are they? Are they like a P.O.D. type outfit? That, mm-hmm. They seem on online, they seem very uh, kind of DIY, punkish, sort of like... Uh, where Dostoevsky Dostoevsky Dostoy- 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 <laughs> want to be and fuck you bro like that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think they're like they come off as a little fuck you bro, but I th- I think they're just pretty chill people. Yeah. Um they're just trying to do the same thing as a lot of us, I think, just on the print on demand and do it yourself and they design their own book covers, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're just trying to uh yeah like the punk aesthetic of just no no money going into it just doing the best you can with no funds and trying to put out the best writing they can which is pretty cool
0: oh no i totally feel that and yeah the the reason why i feel a kinship with that kind of attitude is because that's what i do right that's the kind of attitude (laughs) that i put out there and so you know it's it's definitely no shade their way but yeah no they seem like a cool outfit what's the book about
1: Uh, The book is about an amputee who works at a pirate-themed restaurant as a waiter, sort of using his uh, peg leg or his prosthetic to his advantage there. But he's really uh, sort of sick of that, sort sort of sick of getting taken advantage of there. Um, And just trying to create the best life he can, going to a support group for people with missing limbs. It sounds, I think, on the surface, just sort of weird and um, maybe a little sad, but it's pretty humor-driven, I would say. So, um, yeah, I, I try to write sort
0: of funny books. What kind of books did uh, got you into writing? Um, hmm. I think no
1: particular books really got me into writing. I wasn't a huge reader, actually, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um I just sort of started doing it because it felt kind of good, just a, a release, an artistic release. Um, I was doing a lot of sports back in the day, and I sort of had um,
0: what sports basketball.
1: <laughs> no, but everyone, everyone asked because you're tall
0: as fuck, right?
1: Yeah, I'm six four. Yeah. But um, no, I played football and then started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu after that and took that pretty seriously for a while. Um, And then after that, I sort of just wanted to focus on, like, still keep uh, doing, uh, like, exercise on the side Mm -hmm. and uh, stuff like that. But I sort of wanted to push my mind to the next level a little bit. So I feel like writing books sort of
2: brought me there.
0: Cool. No, to be honest with you, I'm glad that I heard you say that because normally with that question, you end up uh, people will give you the entire sort of backstory of all the all the books that they've read. But it's actually, to my mind, a little bit refreshing to talk to somebody who doesn't have like a book background because I, I think <laughs> yeah. that. Excuse me. I think that there's a book that came out recently. You've, I know you've heard of it. It's uh, it's Cherry by Nico Walker. Yes. Have you have you read mm-hmm. it yet? I haven't read it yet, no. Okay, well, this guy, I mean, I don't know how how well-read he is or whatever, but part of what's so um, interesting about that guy's voice, because, you know, he's this this bank robber who went to jail for 11 years, and, you know, that marketing completely worked on me. I was like, oh, fuck, i got to read the book. i got to read the book about the bank robber. Um, But, you know, when you read his prose, there is something really kind of uh, unaffected about it, for lack of a better term, and I think that your book... Uh, which I have read, is in, in along a similar vein. There's like, there's you, uh, uh, folks like Sam Pink, Brian Allen Ellis, you have that kind of similar style where it doesn't seem to be kind of in your face, like, look at me, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. <laughs> but it's still like every once in a while you will kind of have those sort of poetic moments, right? So, so are you a more of, you said sports, but as far as entertainment goes you more like movies art uh, uh music what
1: definitely uh both movies and music and um music wise I feel like I'm pretty all over the place definitely a big rap fan mm-hmm. A big um I definitely got more into outsider music through just discovering like indie rock in high school and like sort of experimental groups like godspeed you black emperor and stuff like that so and just like like pitchfork and stuff like that
0: yeah dude no i I've never shit on pitchfork ever <laughs> i know it's like hipster central but i have found so many bands that exactly. I, I wouldn't have found otherwise unless i check pitchfork literally every day
1: yeah same here i mean they like i don't always agree with them but they constantly will expose you to great new music mm-hmm. um yeah movies for sure uh of all types of movies as well um yeah i haven't been watching as many movies lately i've been sort of just watching the the big ones that have come out i saw hereditary recently really like that but yeah otherwise uh love movies haven't
0: been watching them that much recently. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, I liked Hereditary a lot too. That was a real kind of surprising book to me, or not book, movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm still, I'm trying to yeah. like, I'm trying to like wake. I I started a new job recently, um, and it's it's working with About kids. That. It's working back with kids, right? So I'm at work all day, and like these kids are just running around and they're shouting. And there was one, <laughs> there was this little girl today. I swear, like I was, I, I was looked away for two seconds when I looked back. This little girl is doing, like, the exorcist crawl across the floor. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> How old are these kids? Uh, today. Well, today it was uh, third through fifth grade. So it's any, okay. any anywhere from third through 12th. Because I work at, a like, a gifted and talented center. And we do, you know, crafts and competition. Like, it, it, what, what's the word for it? Uh, academic competitions, right? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot Very of fun. Cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But so anyway, so I apologize if I'm kind of like spit, like <laughs> if I, if I replace my words for other words. but yeah, no, no her, hereditary, hereditary was really really good. I want to kind of get back though, because I'm really fascinated by this idea that um, that you write, but that you don't you don't read a whole bunch, um, because that makes mm. me interested in kind of like how. You eventually. How did you find this sort of writing? Uh, com- I hate this term, but community, for for lack of a better word. And how did you decide? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is something that I I want to I want to pursue. Like, what about it made you like it? Um, I think um,
1: I think a big thing for me was sort of just discovering. You know, in college. In the creative writing courses I was taking, I majored in creative writing in college, and I really just wasn't getting exposed to the sort of writers that I thought that I would like to read, and sort of just searching for influences. And instead of going um, back to the like the oldies, like um, the classics. I sort of just looked for peers that I thought were writing the sort of things that I wanted to read, just because I felt like that would expose me to where literature was going and into more of an outlook on life that was akin to what I was feeling. So discovering writers like Sam Pink and um, Brian Allen Ellis, they were really just showing sort of a worldview that I could really relate to at the time. So Mm -hmm. I started to pick up books instead of um, that I thought would necessarily be interesting to read and more just, I would say, to, as a writer, you know, you're so isolated. So you're just looking for someone who, a writer who will, you can relate to in Mm -hmm. some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I was searching for that and just started discovering more small presses, more writers on that scene. And it just opened up a whole world that I, I just started pursuing and mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, it does. It feels kind of like there's a bunch of books out there that I'm allegedly supposed to enjoy. Right. <laughs> Cause you <laughs> yeah. hear, you hear about them so much and I'm talking about everything from the classics to the kind of, for lack of a better term, modern classics to, you mm-hmm. know, the book of the moment. For example, Cherry is one of them. And that's one of the rare exceptions where I actually like the book that people are talking about. And it's one of those, you know, you, you got to read this book type things. But most of the time when books come out, I, I feel like they're written to death in a way that uh, kind of bores me. And I mm-hmm. also, when I look at like 500 pages and I'm like, what are you what could you possibly be <laughs> going to tell me in this five hundred pages you know absolutely I mean? and it's like oh yeah five hundred pages it's like it's like going to a relative's house who you really really don't like, and you know <laughs> that while you're at that relative's house, you're gonna have to sit quietly in a couch and try your best to engage with this person and it's like i don't know how much time i want to spend with you like i i'd, I'd like a mm. a book that's more like going to a bar with a friend right yes it's gonna be quick we're gonna get fucked up and then we're <laughs> done
1: <laughs> yeah every i've i've heard you say before that big books are bad manners and mm-hmm. i i have enjoyed some big books but if i see a book that's You know, even at this point, over 200 pages, I'm less likely to pick it up than I am just because I want that short ride where you just experience of the book and you don't need all the extra details and stuff like that. Like, I feel like you can you can get a lot just from writing to the point you don't need to overindulge, as I see a lot of
0: people do. Mm -hmm. and also when you do end up cracking these you know 500 word 600 whatever what you end up finding is that you just it's just a bunch of short stories stitched together and (laughs) called a novel you know what i mean like genre is a kind of um area where those lengths of books are actually referring to how long the plot is to Mm -hmm. how long the actual book is when you get to the literary side it's it's digressions into side characters and you know, we dive back into this person's past and it's can get really fucking bloated.
1: Yeah. I just don't have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I know. Like I feel like I don't, I don't want to say what writers should do, but like that's something I think about for sure when I'm writing, like what do people have time for? Especially, you know, I've been working more and just seeing the amount of time in a day, like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people don't have that much time to book unless they're really dedicated to it. So either you have to write a really good book Mm -hmm. or you have to write a book that will be short and snappy and people can breeze through it. And Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, because I have this theory that people do genuinely want to read books. They want to pick something up. That's why I feel like young adult books have exploded over the past five years or so. Mm. That might not be accurate. It might be more over the past decade, but they have exploded. Like people buy YA books. And I think the reason why is because people want to, first of all, one of the things that you have to do when you write a YA book is you have to be clear. Your prose has got to be, you can't get too fancy with the language. Like you have to be straightforward. Secondly, they're normally short. And third, they tell really good stories really quickly and you can get the experience of finishing a book like in two or three sittings and so i think that that's why why like and i feel like we have to mimic that like we can still have adult language and by that i mean maybe more complex uh you know blake butlerish type language but like Mm -hmm. the the problem with 300 million is not that (laughs) blake butler isn't an awesome writer it's that it's so fucking long Right? <laughs> right. So if we could just have yeah. like a YA version of 300 million. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would like to see someone someone come up with that, like a young adult version. Yeah, like I feel like the time that I read the most in my life was probably when I was quote unquote young adult. And then I started getting more... Um, of these classics, sort of shoved down my throat, and it just made me, you know, made me stop for a while. And yeah, you're sort like, of, I don't
0: want to do this shit anymore.
1: No, no. I always felt compelled to write, but the reading, I feel like, you know, draw me in or do something. And when you're being told to read something, it makes it that much harder. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people um, go through the education system feel that way. I feel like they're trying to adjust that now. Yeah. Sort of a younger audience.
0: Now, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, in Philadelphia.
0: In Philadelphia. Okay, so you're a city kid.
1: To a degree. Um, my parents split up and I moved out of that for a little bit. Now I'm back in the city, so okay. been sort of back and forth.
0: Yeah, and then, I'm sorry, you cut out briefly there. So you go between Philadelphia and where?
1: Uh, sort of like just the suburbs of Philadelphia, oh. basically. That's where my mom, she lives out there. My dad okay. lives in Um so I sort of split my time uh, between visiting them, and I have a house with a a buddy
0: in Philly, so. What, now, what do you do?
1: Um, I'm a cleaner, so just sort of, that's where I've listened to a lot of uh, the podcast is just, you know cleaning. Uh, It's a church slash school. So it's a pretty interesting uh, environment. Cleaning up after puke and cleaning like the pews of the sanctuary. Um, And then I work at a small college bookstore that's technically run by Barnes and Noble. And uh, yeah, just basically like a supervisor slash bookseller there.
0: Whenever you were cleaning up the pews, have you ever found any cum?
1: <laughs> nope. Not yet. <laughs> I just thought that would be there's funny if you just like... it kind of looks like cum, that.
0: Yeah, yeah if, you like, if you were like, go just going through the pews and you're like, every day, like, there's just nut all over these <laughs> pews. I have no idea how it gets <laughs> so much cum everywhere. Uh, that's fun. so. How do they get it? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are they doing? Um... So that's okay. So you're a cleaner, and you're also you also work at a little bookstore. So are you going to school right now?
2: No, I graduated a um, year and a half
0: ago. About. And with creative writing from a, a book university. Yeah. Yeah, and so are you going to go back? You're going to do the yeah, whole creative writing thing.
2: No, dude i I don't think I can. I don't think I can bring myself to it now that I'm working more and just realizing how much time it takes to support yourself and then also do school. Like you just would have some little time.
1: I feel like at this point, I I'm trying to figure out right now what the next step is exactly. I'm sort of experiencing the full blown option of the workforce and what I can do with my degree. And it doesn't look too promising. So sort of still figuring that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish that more people knew that, cause I did the exact same thing I got a degree in, um, creative writing and I went straight from that degree to working at a hot dog restaurant. And then from the hot dog place, I worked as a concierge in a hotel, not a hotel, but like an a, a apartment building and uh from there yeah i moved here and now i i do a job that i probably to be honest i don't need a degree for at all you know it's just it's yeah we we all got sold that that lie didn't we
1: i know oh we did um just i've seen so many people just aimless at this age i mean um it's like because I just feel like, how am I going to be able to pay it all off working the jobs that I'm working right now, like, and with no next step in sight, it just seems like a lost cause at this point. Like, so I've been dealing with. That. I don't mean to like uh, no, vent, man. but yeah, no,
0: dude, this is what it's all about. We got to vent because I saw a tweet the other day where this woman was saying, I had paid thirty three thousand dollars on my loan, and it was something wild. Like she had only. She had a $50,000 loan. She'd paid $33,000 towards it, but had only paid down like $6,000 of her principal. And I was like, mm. see, at that point, you get to see with me, I'm I'm pretty much done with my student loans. Uh, nice. But I was just lucky because I worked like during going to school. So I paid, I tried to pay mm-hmm. as much as I could outright. And then uh, for two different semesters, my grandma helped me. Uh, and i had one semester where my aunt helped me so between the working and the sort of grandparent help i ended up having to take out loans for i think like 2 years worth of school um, oh nice so That's I not was, too bad yeah it's not too bad i was able to mostly pay that down but um with um what was i going to say but with the yeah but with the like the loans that i did have i was even i was making so little money when i got out of school that even though i didn't have that much money and this this is like all of my friends who are my age. I'm 31. Everybody my age that I know is just like I they're like I don't even pay it, you know? Some people are just <laughs> yeah. like I just let it go. They're just like fuck it, yeah. Yeah, there's I mean there's some people who who are credit conscious who are, you know, mm-hmm. pay, paying that monthly payment whatever and they try to get that as low as they possibly can. And they're just they're making no headway whatsoever on actually taking mm. care of the loan. But they're like, what the oh, who gives a fuck? Like I am I'm, I'm never gonna get rid of this, you know? It's like I have a yeah. hundred thousand or whatever, you know, how many dollars? It's gonna take me sixty years. If it's gonna take me sixty years, then fuck it, I guess. Whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, like I wanna I wanna read some study about like what effects loans have on your mind state just because like people then used to have to deal with looking down the barrel of uh, owing $100,000 back in the day, like that has to have some sort of terrible, stressful effect on your psyche. At least it does on mine.
0: No, it has to. Um, And you know, the thing too, that they got got rid of debtors' prisons and they got rid of people being murdered for their debt as far as, well, (laughs) I guess that's debatable because you could be driven to suicide, right? But I think that like doing that was super super insidious right because they're like we'll, we'll ruin your entire life you know, we'll make you wish you were dead but the fact that you yeah. know that you won't die or go to jail will be like oh because you, you know how many people even me as a dumbass like 19 20 year old you know how many people if told like now if you don't pay these back we will kill you like, I would have been like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> but, like, they can't. Yeah. It's oh, hard, for it, sure. Yeah, it's harder for them to say, like, it's harder for it to get through, you know, hey, uh, by the way, if you don't pay these back, your credit will be destroyed. And I'm who gives a fuck? Like, what the fuck is credit? I don't care. I'm drunk. You know, like. right yeah we were just told
1: that you know you have to do this if you want to be successful in the world and if you don't do it basically like you're more fucked and yeah i wish they would have told us the opposite yeah that if because i i would have rather have been you know a number of different things honestly between working at a bookstore and working a cleaning job i enjoyed the cleaning job more and i
2: made just as much money so I I don't know if I if I would have had the skills with maybe a plumber or something like that I could take this cleaning to even the next level but yeah I feel like maybe it's too late for this
0: yeah oh it's definitely not too late man but you're a hundred percent right because at my new at my new job uh, I spend a lot of time just putting supplies together for the kids so I'll be like cutting construction paper yeah. and cutting yarn and you know putting like clothespins and shit inside little bags and I'm just I'm like you, I turn on a podcast and I'm just like, fuck yeah. Like it kind of rules in a way. You're like, like, I've been doing like the, I've been quote unquote living the dream of, of, you know, running a book company and writing my own books and editing work and stuff like that. And I'm like, I think I like putting clothes pins in bags better.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's something sort of meditative about it that I really enjoy. My one problem with it is that at the cleaning job, I am constantly interrupted by my boss, who actually, um, I read uh, A Minor Storm this afternoon, and he reminds me a lot of Charlie and the way you describe him in the beginning of the book, how he sort of just thinks he knows everything, and he does know a lot, but it's just, you know, just constantly being told that you know, you did this okay, but you need to do it this way. And I would like to just have a a little bit more independent work, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like that's, that is, that's one thing I will say about the job that I have right now that I love so much is that, yeah, I am pretty much left alone, right? Because at this point in my life, I'm just like, because I also like, I've always had a bad attitude whenever I've worked (laughs) at jobs. Like I've always kind of told, people like look if you just leave me alone and just let me do this thing like it'll be done but if you say anything i will quit right now i will leave you know yeah
2: i need to i need to be way more like that i just i'm too nice so i get taken advantage of by these jobs where they're just like you know can you come in and work an extra 10 hours this weekend or something like that and i'm just like i guess so <laughs> But then again, I do need the money. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. money
0: is cool, man. Money is cool. And it's it's one of those things, too, where we all just have to save up enough money so that we can buy property like on the beach in Mexico and move to Mexico <laughs> ASAP. I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you, Mexico is where it's at. Like You can live cheap. And I'm surprised that more artists don't do it. Well, it's because, you know, of course, our lives are here. Our families are here. Uh, but if we could make that leap and start farms down in Mexico <laughs> that would be the sh- cuz all we would have to do is write all we'd have to do is write it's like yeah if if a, if 100 people buy your book you can come down to the farm it's cool you can do work and the <laughs> 100 books will be enough to pay for you know you just have to write a book every month right which would be cool right
1: yeah dude i'm down i'm very down cuz i've i've been looking like living in the city does not seem feasible at this point. Like I'm going to need to pick a different location pretty soon, probably because rent is expensive and writing does not pay the bills and neither does cleaning. So farming in Mexico, I'm down.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. You're you're fit. You're fit. You can take care of yourself. Oh yeah. I I think it'll work. Um, but I, I do think though that along the lines of having a farm in mexico I, I just i do think it's important that writers start to really consider that if this is something that they want to do and of course if they're not because you know as soon as you do this you know how annoying it is when people come in and naysay say the things that you're talking about with like reality you know and i'm like i'm not talking about yeah, reality of here course. They're like oh i can't do that because i got a mortgage and i got kids and i'm like of course you can't yeah this is this is <laughs> There's a little asterisk by everything that I'm saying and I'm like it does not apply to you if you have fucked right. your life up, right? If you have a child or, you know, or you you got married or some dumb shit, like I'm sorry you're stuck, you know. Oh, I got married. I like I like being married. It's very it's I wonder if she I hope she couldn't hear me. But um like the the, the idea of like writers need to figure out what's going on cuz America is just going to get more and more expensive. We're all stuck under this crippling debt. I saw this thing on Vice years ago about expats in Berlin who moved there and found some kind of loophole where they can just live there. And oh. they, their <laughs> fucking student loans can't find them. They're like, we know that they left the country so, and they would just, just never leave. There's something like that in- um. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know it's Mexico. It is Mexico. So in Mexico, you know how they're always told, like when uh, Mexicans come to the U.S., they need a green card, right? Well, if you're in mm-hmm. the U.S. and you move to Mexico, you get a temporary visa, I think. Not a work visa, but uh, you get a temporary something, a temporary green card. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And it expires every three months. The only thing you have to do to re-up on that green card is walk into America and walk back into Mexico. And the timer starts <laughs> over again. So every three months, you gotta be on U.S. soil, and then you can just go, and you can do that indefinitely, as many times as you want. And I'm like,
1: dude, this this writing farmers colony has to has to happen. Dude, I mean, I'm that just you. sounds too easy. I'm
0: <laughs> telling you, it it should happen. If I could just get enough people together, but the problem is, is that writers also are very, I don't know.
1: <laughs> they, they like their. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's be honest.
0: Let's be honest. Yeah. So tell me a little <laughs> yeah, bit about. I mean, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, continue. Continue.
1: Oh no, you're no, you're good. You're I was going to have...
0: ask you about apocalypse party. So what what are you doing with that?
1: So that sort of started. Um, I feel like I was just trying to put out writing that I would enjoy reading which I guess is how most small presses start. And what I liked reading at the time was weird stuff. So I was getting more into Bizarro. I was getting more into, I always, um, I think part of what got me into smaller presses was like Mm alt-lit. So just sort of like that sparse writing too. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, okay, these are two like sort of, smaller niche genres. Um, I want to take sort of that to another level and also just stuff like um, how you've talked about writing that doesn't really have a plot, more, more stuff like that too, just because I feel like I see that scattered, but I don't really see that focused into any particular place. Like there's not, I mean, I guess inside the castle Mm -hmm. sort of does specifically that, but yeah, I just wanted to give all these different genres a home because that's what I like reading, and um, yeah, it's it's been going very well so far. We have a new book coming out at the end of this month, Killing Poppy by William Perk, coming out at the end of this month, um, which I'm really excited about, and lots of good stuff in the future, so yeah, I feel like running a small press is a bit stressful but I don't feel like it's as much work as people might think it is as far as like taking away from your everyday life I feel like if you make time for it you can absolutely publish other people I mean there's also how much um how much work do you want to put in and Mm -hmm. the quality of the products Mm -hmm. so I've been really focusing on that as well Mm -hmm. Um, yeah how's Broken River doing
0: oh it's doing okay man I think that I'm at a point now where I know exactly how much effort I do want to put into Broken River, mm. it's getting to this beautiful, beautiful point, right? Where when I first started it, it was about five years ago. And that was kind of the golden age of micro, micro, micro indie publishing, which is what you and I do basically. Right. Do you use yeah. uh create space? Yeah. That's what I use too. Yeah. Um, so basically like what we do is like super, super simple and yeah. anybody can do it. Right. But, well, not anybody, because you have to be smart like us, right? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but so <laughs> basically, uh, when but back five years ago, I think myself and um, a lot of other presses that were kind of doing the same thing, we gave ourselves we we created these legends for ourselves, like these myths, these stories, right? Mm. Like I had a Kickstarter, and that was how I got the initial funds to start Broken River because I was using Lightning Source, which actually cost Money to you know print, right. and I had to buy a ISBNs and shit, and so I did the Kickstarter, and people were really really excited about you know this new press, right, Broken River, and I got like yeah. amazing authors to to be on my first little lineup. You know, I had Jed and William Boyle and and Stephen Graham Jones. It was just this, it was yeah. this really great lineup. But the problem is, is that I think that people started to think of what i did and what presses like me did as being presses you see what i'm saying Mm. in the the big five or even big indie sense right so what followed i think was like a year or two of this bed that myself and my colleagues had made for ourselves where we had positioned ourselves as like publishers where we had to very slowly Mm -hmm. kind of pull the mask off In front of people (laughs) and be like, oh, by the way, I don't have any money. Right. Like, right. And these books, some of them sell, most of them don't, though. So you're not, no money's really coming in. I don't have any money to promote you. People would be like, can I go on a tour? And I'd be like, no, you can't. Unless you (laughs) want to pay for it. Right. Exactly. And so you get to this point where I went into a deep depression about it because I felt. Like I'd been fake, you know. I felt like I had <clears throat> lied to people, but I think that what Apocalypse Party is doing, like where it's coming at right now, I think that everybody kind of gets what's going on, right? Like this is you as Ben, as somebody who knows what good writing looks like and who knows what good stories look like. Like th- th- this is what you're putting forward into the world, right? And it's 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 yeah, it's different though, right? You know what I mean? Like it's, but I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like you get it right
1: yeah and i'm totally up front with all the authors that i publish in the initial email i tell them especially since i really started publishing more um in late 2017 was like when i really started to actually try to publish other people um i'm just like you know i'm new to this i don't exactly know like what the magic is of publishing i can do my best i'll try to give you you know a good cover. I'll try to, um, edit it the best I can. I'll try to design it the best I can the interior. But beyond that, yeah, there's no money involved. So I can do, like I said, my personal best to try to give you a good book, but I'm not guaranteeing any kind of success for you. Mm -hmm. I just, you know i want to help people as to sort of get to that next that next step sort of give them because yeah just you know some people it might be their first book some people it might be their you know their third book but you want to at least help them get to the their next stage
0: yeah for sure for sure no that's awesome yeah and that it's just it is really cool it is you know that you're up front with people and you, and you tell them what you can and you can't do. Because then I think once everybody kind of knows what the score is and like this whole sort of prestige thing is taken away from it, we can look at it for what it is. And what it is, is a really cool thing, which is cool people decided to take other people's cool work and put all that together under one roof and say, these are, these are books that I think are worth your time. And then people check those books out. Um, uh, Killing Poppy has, you know, an amazing cover and I've read the book and it's really, really good. Um, and so they'll read that. And what What are the other books that you have on Apocalypse Party?
1: Um, coming out at the end of this year, we have Xerox Over at Manhattan by Shane Jesse Christmas, which is um, just a totally dark, not a very feel good book, another like sort of plotless book, but just makes you feel a lot and just really sharp and precise writing. And next year we have College Novel by Blake Middleton, which is sort of like he said in a tweet, he's like um, talking about possible uh, titles, and he said less than zero two, which it sort of reminds me of. It's very um, in that Brett Easton Ellis vein and sort of of that age group too. And Just stuff that I really enjoyed reading and am looking forward to Putting in people's hands.
0: That's cool. Yeah, so, so you have you have these books coming out, and what'll happen is once these three books are out, now people will know, okay, when Apocalypse Party does something, I'll look at it because I trust Ben. Right? Yeah. And that's the goal. Yeah, and that's that's what's cool about it. That's what's cool about all the you know, the record labels that I loved as a as a young man, you know. Like I was a huge Def yeah. Jux fan. I listened to everything Def Jux put out even though some of it wasn't very good. But I was like, "Hey, if it did Cannibal Ox. It's run by LP. Like, yeah, I'll listen to Yak Balls." What I mean, Yak Balls isn't that bad, but um but you know, yeah, so it's it's really really cool, I think what you're doing. Do you have any kind of uh like future projects lined up or what's what's next for for Ben? Uh, for myself personally. Yeah, for you personally.
1: Um, I had a book accepted recently, um, for the new Bizarro Author series next year with Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, especially because it was sort of like a last minute task that I put on myself. Like I just saw that they were open to submissions and I'm like, I'm gonna write this book in two months and mm-hmm. submit it to them and mm-hmm. Did that and that really was a confidence booster so that's pretty much um the only thing that i have coming down the pipe but how
0: long did uh, how long did uh, um um the bar is low take to write
1: um probably total writing like around the same time like two three months or so
0: i feel like that's the sweet spot right
1: I think so, I, I, especially if you're trying to just write, like, a novella, which is the sort of thing that I like to read. Um, mm-hmm. Just crank that – crank it out in two, three months. You, you might have to not go out on mm-hmm. certain weekends or something like that, but it's worth it, in my opinion,
0: And there, I think there, if you there, want to be a writer. Yeah, I think it's – but I also think that there's, like, an aesthetic to it that, to me, is just really appealing. And I feel like it's the same way with film. I, that's why I've always loved uh, – uh, Harmony Corinne's movies, you know, like mm-hmm. I've always, Werner Herzog, like like people who, whose films seem, are beautiful, but seem really unpolished, right? And I, yes. I like books like that too, which is why I also, I kind of, I like books that have a little bit of like typos and formatting errors now too. Like I just, I like that too. I just don't really like opening a book and having everything presented to me perfectly. Like it kind of bothers me. I'm like, this needs to be And I far.
1: feel like, Yeah, I feel like a sentence being too perfect is just as bad as it being, like, grammatically incorrect. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and in the same way, a perfect sentence can hit you and you're just like, wow, that was amazing to read. Like, that was the most well-crafted sentence, like, I could have asked for. In the same way, I think a, a sentence that's not perfect can just hit you in this special way that you're, like you see the author maybe in more of a human light Mm -hmm. and especially if they're writing like sort of emotional Mm -hmm. prose and I don't know, it's almost like a diary esque in a certain way. It's like this little peek into the process. It's pretty cool. Right,
0: right, right. No, no. And I love that you're saying that too, because I was trying to figure out in my head like last year, this is when I started having all these, these revelations or whatever. And it was because I was, like I said, I was having so much trouble and spending a lot of money reading uh, these big books, right? These big books that I was supposed to give a shit about, and I just I couldn't finish it. And then I was going on, you know, Reddit or whatever, and reading threads for an hour. You know what I mean? Right. I about what, oh, and I'm totally. Like, Why am I reading this Reddit thread? And I'm fascinated. Right? There was a Reddit thread recently where it was like, uh, if you're autistic. Tell us what your obsession is and things that people wouldn't know about your obsession. Mm. And so this guy goes on and he his obsession is uh, RuneScape, right? The, <laughs> I used to like RuneScape. Yeah, okay, so his name <laughs> is RuneScape. And he, he goes into this whole history of this day. It was the 6th of June, 2006. Oddly 666. Uh, and there was this <laughs> user who, through some kind of glitch... Uh, was able to kill everybody and take all of their shit, right? oh, shit, and so this guy just went on a massacre and was just people were leaving all of their important items at home and traveling to this town in Runescape to be murdered by this guy because he was just, <sighs> he became this guy and they had to wake up one of the developers of Runescape in the middle of the night to go to the facility to like somehow code this guy out of the game, but now. <sighs> people are obsessed with this day where this it's become part of the runescape lore they've written it into mm. the actual like game itself and people on the 6th of june will go to these towns and fight npcs that are dressed up like this i can't remember the guy's username <sighs> And it's this big festival where people, where people will try to kill these things that are incredibly hard to kill, and then they just respawn after you kill them. Right? <laughs> That's anyway, awesome. Anyway, I'm sorry I rambled, but no, I love it. But that t- I spent like 15 minutes reading the history of this RuneScape <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? And I'm not even a video game guy, you know? Right. But that yeah, to you. me is 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 infinitely more fascinating than than these books that I'm supposed to be reading. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what it is if it's some weird pressure we put on ourselves to finish these books once we start them like it's like we owe it to the author maybe or maybe I don't know what it is but there's more times than not that I pick up a book and I'll get, you know, a quarter of the way into it and if it doesn't grab me I'm just like, you know, I don't think I'm going to pick it up again. It's mm-hmm. just And that's no, that's nothing against the author. It's just like, you know, if it's not for me, you know, at least I picked up the book. That's something. Um, I I tried. (laughs) Right, I tried. And, um, yeah, there's something about just reading, you know, an unpolished thread on Reddit about, like, something as crazy as a a RuneScape glitch that... It just draws you in and you're just yeah. like, okay, like, let me read about this. This actually happened to this person. People yeah, actually are continuing to experience this. So,
0: right, yeah. No, no, I totally agree. And the, uh, no, another thing recently talking more about like how we were talking about like how we sort of like typos and, and weird structural deformities. So I was really, really, I really wanted to read, uh, a book by Pierre Guillotin called The Tomb for 500,000 Dead Soldiers, which is mm. supposed to be this very sort of gross, difficult book to read where it's just this endless string, like Marquis de Sade style of just rape and murder and bodily fluids and stuff. And I was like, okay, I got mm. re- to read that, right? That's- <laughs> interesting. Um, so, but it's nowhere to be found, right? The, there's nowhere to buy it. So yeah. I ended up tracking down a pirated copy online, so I downloaded the PDF and you can read PDFs on your Kindle if you send them to your Kindle address with the uh, over email, right? With the mm-hmm. um, subject bar that says convert. So I was like, okay, I'll send this to my Kindle. Oh, nice. and, when, and When it got to my Kindle, it was corrupted, right? And so the words looked awful, and it is these, these horrible descriptions of you know, awful things happening to people, but somehow the corruption made it formally interesting. You know what I mean? It made it like even weirder. Yeah, it made it even weirder. So I was <laughs> like, Look, this might actually be the best way to read this book, you know because mm. the the idea, and like you mentioned inside the castle and what I think is interesting, I'd love to get some of those guys on the podcast also, um, yeah. is uh, they get really into like the they're really interested in the book in and of itself, right? Like what can a book do that a book can only do? Um, yeah. And what, what does that mean formally? <laughs> And I think that uh, kind of what happened with my tomb of, for 500,000 dead soldiers is sort of like that, right? Where it's like words are distorted. Uh, I think Mike Klein did stuff like this, right? With Lonely Men mm-hmm. Club. That's sort of what that is. And it's it's algorithmic and it's it's randomly generated. And then it's you as the reader experience it devoid of like what Mike meant for you to read. You know? Right. And that to me is what was happening with this Guillaume book where – I'm reading it completely separate from what Pierre wanted me to get out of it. But now mm. it's it's more, not pure experience, but like unique. It, there's like the separation, right? This breakdown and communicate. Is, is what I'm saying making sense?
1: Oh, it makes total sense. Um, I was just thinking about the comparison that I was making earlier in my mind to plotless fiction that... Um, I feel like what what you just said sort of made me rethink it, but I feel like it's still um, I feel like it's sort of plotless fiction and things that are jumbled. It's a lot of it's based on your personal reaction and just like initial emotion, I think. Um, and I was sort of thinking about people's adverse reaction to it in the same way um, that people react to like mumble rap versus regular rap. Mm-hmm. And in the way that I compared it in my mind was um, people traditionally in rap, I think, have been looking for sort of a lyrical flow that they can follow and sort of attach on to um, versus the new wave of mumble rap, which is more about just your initial feeling, um, which might not... It's less about what the artists, I think which you're talking about the artist's um, intent and more just about this initial reaction that you have to it. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like um, there's a reason that people are drawn to both. And I think it's about this sort of, because when you read something gross, that's plotless, you're going to have a strong reaction to it one way or the other. It might be positive, it might be negative, Um, but there is an undeniable reaction. And I feel like To ignore that would be doing the art a disservice in both cases.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, I think that the reason why things like mumble rap become so popular is because, it's not because people are getting dumber. You know, I'm so tired of hearing that. Where it's like, oh, back in my day, we used to, you know, make all the syllables go together and blah blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, but if you go back and you actually read Eminem lyrics, for example. He's not really saying much, you know. It's right. Like he's yeah. putting words together that, and so I think that what mumble rap does, since we have the internet, we have text messages. It, there is a kind of self-imposed, drug-induced smokescreen between the artist and the mm. listener that maybe wasn't quite there. Whereas old rap was concerned primarily with how clearly you could communicate yourself in the same in the same way that novels back in Dickens era used to be really concerned with telling you exactly how a building looked now yes. we can now we can look at a picture of a building we know what buildings look like so now we're into the impressionistic phase of mm-hmm. writing right and that's the same thing with rap now too it's like we have we have the internet everybody has the capability of putting words together everybody does it all the time with text messages and we're not as um and i think kids especially who've grown up with these machineries are no longer as impressed at people who are able to put words together like that like it's like that doesn't mean anything you're right you're you're just putting these things together i I do that all the time i've typed more words before i was 12 years old than you've ever typed in your entire life yeah i have an intimate relationship with words but they're different they're there specifically to convey feeling through emoji through shortness through cutting words off through all this kind of stuff and i think that that's being i guess that's being reflected obviously in things like altlet and the writing that you see now that i like personally um but it's also being reflected in music too where people no longer feel the need to be verbose they can be yeah um anyway yeah no i love mumble rap so that's i get (laughs) get on my high horse about that a lot because people like you can't understand them and the flows aren't that good i'm like what are you talking about i know
1: it's it's frustrating right (laughs) like especially when you consider or i consider personally like people like young thug to be some of the best rappers of all time you know and it's it's just different it's um instead of using their voice for words and for language specifically although they do do that it's more about just building on the aesthetic of the song using the voice as like an extension of the instrumentation and stuff like that, which I feel like I'm not sure exactly how to compare that to writing, but I feel like there's something there.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, there is because, and I think it has to do with, uh, with leaving out stuff, right? Like leaving stuff out Mm from like not needing to, um, necessarily over-explain or get too... Because M- I feel like the MFAs are like the MMs right? The MFAs yeah. are the people who have this kind of set thing about like what writing is supposed to sound like. And I'm sort of talking out of my ass because I've never been to an MFA program, but all I know is that 90% of those people all sound the same, so they must be doing something. Um, yeah. And then people like you, me... I mean, we do have creative writing degrees, but we don't have MFAs. Um, we're coming more from like a, or somebody like Sam, right. Who doesn't have a degree at all. Yeah. Um, or coming from a point of view where it's much more like a one-to-one sort of thing where we're just, my goal right now, dude, for writing period is to tell stories as clearly and as funny as I possibly can. And then yeah. poetry comes second. Good writing, quote unquote, comes second. Like I yeah. just want to tell good stories.
1: And it's just all... You know, people like Sam are just, it feels a lot more pure than people who have been through these writing programs and have been told, you can write this way, you can't write that way, which, having gone through one of them, it's just, you don't get anything from that except for a setback in not being able to use your own voice, so, yeah, I feel like um, that's the reason that I would not go back for an MFA, I feel like it there's no real point for me personally, but also, um, yeah, the money thing and <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. want any more debt than I already have. So yeah, it's
0: like, what are you going to, what are you going to do with it anyway? Right. And it's kind right. like, uh, of, yeah. Moving forward. How old are you? 25. Two, oh, okay. So you're, you're an old man, but, <laughs> uh, but no, like, you know, you, you're getting to a point in your life where you are kind of figuring out what exactly you want to sort of do, with your life, yeah. right? Um, and yeah, at a certain point, you, you make a choice, and it's like, like you said, you like cleaning. I like cleaning too, actually. Um, yeah. And I do a lot of cleaning at my job now, and my whole family. My mother's an elementary school teacher. My sister's an elementary school teacher. My brother is a well; he teaches college kids, but he's a teacher, right? Oh wow! Uh, I do. I've been doing this. Um, you know. Freelance editing stuff, which is kind of teaching, but not really. Uh, but once I—it's I... teaching. <laughs>
1: it was for me at least when. Oh, cool. Yeah, you did some edits for me, so that was that was a learning experience. Oh, well, good, not man. to cut you off, I'm sorry about that. No,
0: no, 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 man, I talk so fucking much, dude. I'm sure that people listening to the show are like, "Is is Ben going to speak at some at some point?" <laughs> well, I've got more thoughts about stuff. But um, <laughs> but uh, no, what I, what I was saying was um that basically like with this new job you know like now i'm i'm teaching kids and when i got started working at this job like things just like clicked and i was like oh like i'm not making a whole lot of money doing that right but that just felt nat like that was the first time and it hasn't been writing it hasn't been obviously working in a restaurant or anything like that but when i started putting supplies together when kids raised their hand and ask a question, and I answer that question when I'm explaining a project to children. Uh, and, you know, children f- from, you know, 10 to 17, 18, whatever. When I'm teaching, all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is... I wish I'd known that I like this. Mm-hmm. Because That's I mean, awesome. Yeah, because now Sorry. to me, like, no, no, it's cool, it's cool, man. But, like, so uh, I'm saying all that to say that, like, now to me, writing seems like there's a lot of pressure off. Because I'm like, okay, this is not going to be my life. You know what I mean? Like, I like it, but it's not my life.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you exactly found... I mean, maybe it is like a higher calling necessarily, but it's like something that you feel comfortable doing in an actual workplace that is also rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked with kids for... um, I was just a camp counselor, but I worked with um, kids for a number of years, and that was usually one of my favorite jobs, just because there's something about that interaction with a young mind, and just seeing um, how they react to things, and stuff like that. It's it's beyond anything you could get from, you know, mm-hmm. cleaning or anything like that. I, I enjoy that, but there's something um, about interaction that's with people on the job that's not customer service related. Yeah,
0: uh, exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, which I personally can't stand. Uh, but yeah, it's there's there's something about it that does make you feel. I think when I worked those jobs, I wrote less than um, I had when I didn't, just because I felt like I didn't feel compelled to, because I was having a lot of rewarding experiences in my day to day like versus coming home stressed oh. and being like i gotta get this out on the page or right, something right, right.
0: yeah 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 no totally dude and it's I, I do think that it is you know once you find that the, i just I, I think i got really really burned well i realized you know a little bit too late that i put, I'd put all my eggs in this writing basket and i got to a certain point and i was like oh shit i don't i don't think i want to do this all the time <laughs> you know what i mean like i kind of like yeah. doing it but I was like, oh, fuck. I thought I wanted it, but it turned out I just wanted attention.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm i totally going through that right now. Just like what, how much do I want to make this writing thing my life going forward just mm-hmm. because it doesn't seem feasible to make my whole life around writing, which is what I've tried to do up until now and yeah, just figuring out what can make you happy and comfortable in the world.
0: Farming in Mexico, bro. Let's do I know, right? Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dude. Like, like down in down in Mexico, we'll get some permaculture going on. We'll grow some shit. It'll be awesome. We'll just we'll just drink beer all day. We'll get fat on the beach, and we'll we'll put out like one. We'll be like the fucking Latin American writers, right? Who do like one novella every two years. And people are like, oh, shit, you know, the, 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 yeah. this guy's got, Bolaño's got a new novella out, you know, well, rest <laughs> in peace, but you know what I mean. Uh, but, yeah. But um. But no, yeah, so that's that's the goal. Well, Ben, thank you for coming on my show.
1: David, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate You're it. Great welcome. talking
0: to you. You're very welcome. You're welcome back. Of course, anytime.
2: Awesome.